and we are back and yes. we are the, the run, run duo. duo i'm tommy mitchell and i am india cook what's up guys? what's going on episode what did we say episode it was 50 what 58 58 episode 58 we still quarantining we healthy but we quarantining so yes. uh we we zooming it that's what i'm gonna start saying we still zooming it mm-hmm. um but we got a great episode. We got a great guest, Starla Garcia. Uh, yes. She's a nutritionist. She's an Olympic trials qualifier. Uh, she was here in Atlanta um, running in the Olympic trials. So we'll talk to her a little bit about that. But we'll get some great nutrition tips from her. What's going on, India? What's going on? It's another day. Um, just feeling good in my pro- in the process of nutrition and working out so feeling good on that um not feeling so great on the home team of some political stuff going on but other than that i'm still doing good i'm still staying healthy staying healthy see she she's not telling what she's doing she's doing two a days y'all two a days she's training like kip chogi right now <laughs> only three days a week yes three days a week i i do a 30 minute 20 to 30 minute workout in the morning or either on lunch and then i do my cardio in the evening well, I hope it, yeah, I hope everybody's staying consistent because right now India's showing us the way. Um, I'm tr- I'm trying to keep my consistency up, but I, look, I ain't gonna lie to you. I go four times a week, once a day. I can't do two a days. I stopped doing two a days after high school football. I can't do that no more. Yeah, it's too hot out there. yeah. I I I will say this: quarantine is helping me in regards to that. I I'm not sure how it will work once I have to go back to the office, but because I'm here at home and I have some really good online workouts that I've been able to do, I just been cranking it out. So it's been working. Yeah, I hear you. I, we were talking about it before the, the podcast. Uh, Heather and I fighting over who gets to go running. Like, you Listen, know. Every time I see Heather post, I'm like, well, is Tommy running? Exactly. Too? Like, Tommy, Tommy dying. Over, Tommy ain't allowed to do nothing except watch the kids. She's like, I'm out. She, on them, she in them streets. She's like, you know, Trey dumps him in your lap. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's like, every night, I'm running, I'm running in the morning. I'm doing a Zoom workout in the morning. Hey, calm down. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I want to say um, on Monday was National Phone Rolling Day. So I don't know if anyone saw my post, but um, Trigger Point obviously is a foam roller that I use, and they paired with Belega, which is a company that I'm an ambassador with for Belega Socks and Trigger Point came together and gifted us a foam roller. And I know when I posted that picture, a lot of people was like, ooh, my foam roller is co- collecting dust. I need to get some foam rolling on. So <laughs> that's been imperative for me through doing all this workout that I've been doing is ensuring that I'm soaking in foam rolling. Exactly. Living like a runner. Like I always say, living like a runner. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yes, indeed. Now, before we get too far into it, um, we mm-hmm. just got off of Zoom with, uh, uh, with Tess, the uh, race director for the race. And they are going to be repping the race for a whole week, starting on um, the 14th. Um, nope, May 18th. 18th. I'm sorry, May 18th. Um, she's going to be uh, having rep the race week. So she's got all kinds of events set up. She's going to have the run duo in something. We'll have our, our uh, morning meditation, I guess, is what we're going to do on that Wednesday. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, keep a watch on all her outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, um, and their website. Yes, definitely. So look out for the Run Duo on May the 20th. Um, I'm excited for that. And I just I love all of the energy around the race. And that race has not been canceled. And I'm just really excited that uh, we're keeping the excitement going. Of course, of course. 
Yes. And also um, in regards while we're doing, I feel like we're doing Sunday announcements. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Singleton Four Miler, which is usually a race that Atlanta Track Club puts on, has now officially gone virtual. Um, so uh, for the this weekend coming up, um, the between the 15th and the 17th, you can run those four miles and submit them to Atlanta Track Club, and they will still put. Yes, get your points for the Grand Prix Grand Prix races. So please continue to um, get that virtual race on, on. It is a free virtual race, so definitely do that. Um, there's not a medal or anything that comes along with that, but it's still good to be able to kind of get your points for those races and, and get out there and kind of submit your time and be able to be recognized for good good miles that you're putting in. So definitely. Exactly. Um, and also the Braves 5K that usually happens here in Atlanta, um, that has been postponed. Uh, Atlanta Track Club officially postponed that race. They are they do not have a rescheduled date for the race as of yet, but um, they will be rescheduling. And you know what? The blessing of Atlanta Track Club, Atlanta Track Club has been given full refunds. And I just think that I, there's very few organizations that have been really doing that. And for the Braves, they are giving full refunds as well as the amount for the ticket that you may have purchased, because usually you run the race and then you go to a, a Atlanta Braves baseball game. Um, they are doing those refunds as well. So definitely check that out if you were a person that were interested or were um, expected to run that race. Exactly. Um, I, I want to say, I guess a little housekeeping. Number one, happy Mother's Day. I hope everybody, all the moms, yes. had a great Mother's Day this past yes. weekend. So I, we can't forget about the moms. I want to say happy birthday to the Heather King. I want to say happy birthday to Philip King. Um, if I miss anybody, because it seems like it's a lot of May babies. So happy birthday to all our listeners that were born in May. Um, actually, it was funny. Uh, I had posted a run on Facebook or something. And Philip, uh, you know, he's doing the pyramid challenge. So Philip <laughs> hits me up and he just, in the comments, he just puts a pyramid. And like, and like eyes, I'm like, look, dude, don't even play with me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't getting me involved in that mess. You get this challenge. Exactly. I, I was like, I'm not in that kind of shape right now, bro. Right. I know he was saying he at least he's like, come pick up some part of it. He's yeah. like, come do some of it. But well, I he didn't need to hit me up when he was like at the top of the pyramid. He down. <laughs> talk about the doing one mile a day. Exactly. He needed the one mile a day. That's when you needed to hit me up. Don't hit me up when you at seven and eight. That's that's too late. It's not. I can't mess with you. Um, I, I saw Coach Monroe did the uh, 24 hour Yeti challenge where you have to run, I think it's five miles every four hours mm -hmm. um, for a 24 hour uh, period. Hey, applaud you people. Great yeah. job. I'm really happy for y'all mm -hmm. uh, with these challenges. I'm challenging myself to just stay consistent. So that's my challenge. <laughs> for you got to do what you can. <laughs> exactly. That's right. I'm doing what I can. I'm doing what I can. And whether that consistency is a mile or two miles, that's what it's just kind of what you what you what we need to do. So. Exactly. Now, um, this past week, well, uh, this happened in February, mm -hmm. um, but was it last week that they had the run, India? Yeah. So I'll say that when we recorded last week for Atlanta Track, uh, the Atlanta Track Club Special Edition. Um, I think the the news was starting to come out about Ahmad Arbery, but they, the video hadn't been released. So last Wednesday, uh, the video was releasing in on Friday is when um, they asked for everyone to go out and run 2.23 miles in com um, in memory of him because it was his birthday. Mm -hmm. And um, there have been other things since then. Well, you know, of course, since the video came out, um, 
a lot of stuff has happened. Yeah. So and just just for people, I mean, pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, you are a runner. I'm pretty sure you may have heard, but Ahmad Arbery was running in his neighborhood on February 23rd, 2020. And he was, I'm going to say how I'm going to say it. I'm going to re- remove my, uh, what's the word? Censoring. He was murdered mm-hmm. <laughs> by two white supremacists that um, felt or uh, profiled him as someone that had been um, breaking into homes in their neighborhood, and they decided to take it upon themselves to to, to do what they quote unquote called a citizen arrest, but they murdered him. Um, and so it is a huge deal, and not only for an African American male, but as run as a runner, as an individual, a person of color that has to be aware and cognizant of where we run, how we run, what we're wearing, etc. It is a huge deal, and it's very unfortunate that he had to lose his life um, prior to him turning 26. And there just has to be something done about this continued hatred that's going on in the world. Well, they have arrested the father and the son. They actually, the person that took the video was another person that lived on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, he has not been arrested, but yeah. I just was watching the news and they were talking about charging him because they said that he was also involved in trying to stop um, yeah. him from running down the street. But he has not been arrested as of yet. So right. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that justice will happen. Um, I'm praying for his family and uh, for you know what they're going through. Um, but it definitely brought out something, you know, you know, I, I know there are some people that are talking about, you know, running while black and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, personally, I, I've always kept my head on a swivel, no matter, you know, I really, honestly, I very rarely think about it because I'm black. I'm just in general, cause I'm out and, you know, we run at different crazy times, you know, uh, early in the morning, late at night. Um, but I, I definitely am very surprised cause this was like a, in the daylight when this happened and you know i I probably wouldn't even think twice huh it's unfortunate but i'm not surprised and what the reason why i say that is that i've witnessed racism blatantly um to me as an individual and not while running but just Mm -hmm. blatantly to my face you know in work environments and things of that nature and so i know that racism is still alive um, I do agree with you that we have to keep our head on a swivel just being humans in general because there's people out here that you know are whistling and honking horns to a woman and you know you could be attacked for just yeah. like you know being you know raped unfortunately and things of that nature but I think that as an African-American woman and as an African-American man it is heightened that we have to keep our head on a swivel and I know for me it's more so heightened in certain areas that I run in mm-hmm. um I know recently, I, I recently moved to the Roswell Alpharetta area, and I will say that it is less friendly out here. Um, people look at me like, oh, like, what you doing out here? <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's not to say that there's not nice people out here, but that's something yeah. that I have to think about. Mm-hmm. In certain areas that I run in, I am not as comfortable. But the, I think the point of the matter is, is that we should not have to, because of how we were born, be so cautious on that you know I've heard people say well he didn't look like he had on running clothes who cares like (laughs) people that run leisurely and that just run to kind of do it for exercise or a little bit of cardio they're not spending hundreds of dollars like myself 
on running clothes, mm-hmm. right? Like they're throwing on a pair of basketball shorts and a t-shirt. Like you're not concerned about cotton and your nipples chafing because that's just not something that you think about. Whereas, you know, for us, we, we don't just casually run. So yes, we are going to have a nice singlet, a hat, some shades on or whatever, and we may look like a runner. But the fact that we have to think about that is the concern. We have to think a little bit more about the area that we run and the time of day that we run on run in. We have to make sure that we're not carrying certain things in our hands that may look like something else. So I think that there is a lot of thought that we have to put into our everyday actions that your pe- people that are not pe- a person of color do not have to think about and more specifically African-American people, we have to think about it more. Mm. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I mean, also I want you all to keep in mind because this was uh, basically if that video hadn't come out, the, the, those guys probably would have never been charged. Never. And what I want people to understand is vote when you voting, because I know a lot of people only vote when it's the president. You need to vote on everything because yeah. the person that that sheriff was elected that mm-hmm. didn't charge him. He was an elect. He's an elected official. Mm-hmm. So when you're you're not voting for your your local officials, that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that could happen. Um, you know, I try to explain to my my white counterparts a lot of times why African-Americans feel, I mean, I, I'm not going to say every African-American feels like this, but I know I always feel more comfortable with the federal government. I feel more comfortable when somebody from the outside comes in and looks at things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because this whole good old boy network has been around a long, long time. Mm-hmm. That would just cover, oh, well, no, that's, that's so-and-so's son. So, you know, let's, Let's let's not, you know, let's let's keep him safe and don't let anything happen. You know, it's just, you know, he's exactly. not really breaking the law kind of thing. Um, so that's why you have to be cognizant when you're voting, you, you know, when you're voting for these, these uh, public officials. But I'm very happy the GBI is involved. It sounds like they're trying to get the FBI involved as well. Um, and I'm very happy to see that this is. I mean, this has happened before. I mean, not, you know, somebody running, but just, you know, an African-American man shot down without holding a gun. This is not the first time. It's not going to be the last time. I I mean, you know, it is what it is. But I'm happy to see that it looks like it's not just African-Americans talking about this. It's a lot of people, you know, Caucasians, um, other people of color that are not African-Americans who are bringing this to the forefront because I think as a country, we're tired of it. Um, yeah. of these type type of things happening. Okay, and I I, I definitely agree. Um, listen, I've been so heated about this this for so long. I think that we have to go past the hashtag though. Um, and I agree with you. There are more people outside of African American individuals that are bringing this to limelight, that are running for a um a Mod Arbery, and that are doing what they need to do to shot light to this. But it, it's so much more, Tommy. Um, like you said, we need to be voting. Um, and I think honestly, what it's going to take is, and I'm just going to be completely like blunt. White people have to call out other white people for this crap that they're doing. They have to hold them accountable. We as black people can go to white people and we can say, hey, this is this, this is this, stop doing this. But it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But when your own person, your own race is calling you out and holding you accountable for the actions that you're doing, whether that be a joke at the dinner table about something racist, whether that be a comment to somebody or saying that they may look a certain way, it's all of those little things that build into bigger things. 
um, that I think that have to have to stop. And there needs to be more conversations at the dinner table about racism and what it looks like and why we shouldn't be doing it. Um, and the other thing is that kids don't wake up. Like I just really, sometimes I think about children or even this, this man's son that was involved in this process with him. He didn't grow up hating, in the, he didn't, he was not born hating or having negative feelings towards African American, an African American man. That's something that's taught them. So I feel like on the on the baseline of things, we need to make sure that we're educating and, and helping our kids understand what racism is, as well as stepping away from, um, you know, the negative connotations and allowing people to have sly remarks or jokes or comments or even posting under pictures like I just it's just interesting I see people hashtagging and saying and posting comments but then you see people having negative comments on under those pictures but nobody's holding them accountable but us mm -hmm. so like it's 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 like you know other people white people you have to hold your people accountable so that things can stop so there's so much more to this um silence is kind of feeling like you are agreeing in this and not saying that everybody needs to take a political stance and like shout it loud and proud but I feel like that's the only thing that is going to start to move some things as well as like you said voting um and you know whatever it takes use your privileged ability to get into some of these offices and make a change as well as you know signing petitions whatever it takes the things that we are doing as black people we need more more white people to be doing the same thing True. And yeah, like I said, I, I am definitely a, a person who feels like you you got to work inside and outside the system. Mm -hmm. when you're trying to stop things like this. You can't just you can't just get emotional and yell on Facebook. Let me put exactly. it that way. You you got you gotta find a way to uh work through the system. And no, it's not gonna be easy. No, it's not as easy as just making a post or doing a hashtag to 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 get involved, but that's what it takes to change things like this. Now, having a different sheriff there, I don't know if that's going to save this young man's life, but maybe we don't we don't have to do all of this just to get somebody some something done. We'd have to have a video just to get something done. Right, but it's even a simple fact of like the citizen. Obviously, in the world that we live in, citizen arrest laws should be like outlawed. Like at this point, like people can't take it i guess to they people continue to take it to the extreme of yeah like oh it's supposed to be a citizen arrest we're just go ahead and murder him like there's too many people out there just like these the mcmichaels that would take it upon themselves to end someone's life when it could have gone so different so mm -hmm. i feel like laws like that are things that we need to be working on changing it's not just the the people that are in these big places but the laws that are could go against us as individuals so I completely agree. So I was very happy to see, you know, so many people, you know, uh, post the hashtag. Um, so many people, you know, who who brought this light. And I, and honestly, I'm just really happy that an arrest was made. I'm really happy that GPI is involved. And I hope the FBI gets involved and we can get some justice. Um, they did announce the DA that will be handling it. And she is from Cobb County and she is a sister. Yeah, but yes. she was also uh, appointed by Kemp. But that's another conversation. <laughs> Dude, let, let, me, let me tell y'all something. Um, Listen, I got I got words for days for you, but we're not gonna go on and on about it. Col uh, Colin Powell made his. Really Colin Powell is one of the most respected people I know, and he he rode with Republicans to get where he was. So I ain't mad at him. 
So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. We're going to keep our fingers crossed and keep mm -hmm. praying about it. And again, let's put some action behind the repost and some action behind the hashtag so that things can really change. And, you know, I think for our listeners, Tommy and I definitely wanted to mention this because this individual was a runner. Y'all continue to be safe, um, do whatever you need to do to protect yourself. Of course, not going out there being silly and doing um, things or protests that can cause you to get arrested and things of that nature. Be cognizant and careful about that, um, but also be safe just on your individual runs. Exactly, exactly. So- we gotta have more love, less hate. <laughs> yes, yes, more positivity. We gotta have some love out there. Yes. I mean, you know, the man's just running down the street. And actually, you know what killed me was that's that's was his that was his thing. When the 911 operator asked him, Why are you going after the person? It's a black man running down my street. Mm -hmm. Seriously, mm -hmm. dude. That's that's yeah. that's your answer. That's, that's how you know he don't think black people should be anywhere around him. Because that's his answer us, for why he should chase it. They want us fat and high <laughs> diabetic and um eating collard greens and neck bones that's what they yeah. want they don't want us to be nice and fit and healthy so we have to continue to be great and continue to do what we do meaning spreading great energy and communication about having healthy and fit lifestyles and show them that we can be opposite of what they would like us to be so at the end of the day we have to be happy um i know it's hard to kind of push through situations like this one uh, with Ahmaud Arbery and I think that we have to not let the world that has a lot of hate like kind of mask over the good things that are happening um, and kind of live every day to the fullest. Exactly. Hopefully we'll be getting out of this quarantine soon. Mm -hmm. I, I ain't gonna lie. I need to stretch my legs. I need a vacation from quarantine. <laughs> listen, I'm with you. I'm like, listen, this is fun. <laughs> I need, they're going to be mad at me because as soon as they let me back in the office, I'm like, look, I'm going to need a week off. Right. <laughs> company is taking, making people take time off so that when quarantine is done, they're going to be working their behinds off. Man, I've been looking at flights for so long. Like, dude, I want to go here. I'm traveling. I don't care what. I'm about to pack this little boy up and we going places. I hear you. After this. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that, um, are continuing to listen to this podcast. Thank you very much. Continue to be great, be safe, and y'all don't want to miss this next interview because it is amazing. Amazing. So let's go ahead and bring her on right now. Okay, and we are back, the Run yes. Duo Podcast. And we have a, a, a great, great guest today. We have Starla Garcia. How you doing today, Starla? What's up, Starla? Um, I'm doing so well. Thank you so much. I hope you guys are doing well too. Yes, we are doing, doing great. good. Yes, and we want to thank you first off for just taking time out to speak with us today. Yeah, definitely. Happy to be here and happy to help. Awesome. So, of course, so I have been watching, well, not watching, but I've been following Starla for a while on social media. And Starla is a dietitian that definitely um, has a good specialty in running nutrition for runners, which is very, very important because I personally feel like running is something your nutrition as a runner can be very different than just someone that does not do as much running as some of us may um, do. So of course, fueling all that is important. Um, but aside from that, before we deep dive into the nutrition part of running, Starla, congratulations on being an Olympic trials Woo! marathon like qualifier and runner. Yes. Amazing job. 
So Thank you, you qualified um, for the Marathon Olympic Trials um, at the Chevron Marathon in 2020, Houston Chevron Marathon in 2020. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on that. So tell us a little bit more about that process and kind of what got you there. Um, I guess there's so much a backstory, I feel like, to anybody's, you know, I guess, journey to the trials. For me specifically, this didn't really come into my mind until maybe um, right after I ran CIM 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sorry, 2018. Yeah, 2018. It came into my mind. Um, I had a huge PR day and off of a couple of months of training. Um, and I had a lot of friends ask me if I was going to try and go for the qualifying time. I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest, until I heard a podcast. It was Ali on the Run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carly Gill's podcast um, and I felt so motivated and inspired by her story and just feeling like you know if this person has so much um, like I guess belief in herself and so much drive and she knows that she can do it why can't I believe in myself that much mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't like oh who is she you know who is she to try you know <laughs> it was more of like hey like I should be able to believe in myself just as much as she does you know right um so I just kind of started to think about it a lot more and I had two other friends that were trying to also qualify um and so I decided you know why not give this a go and why not you know actually put myself out there and share this goal with people um and make it like an actual thing so I started pursuing it and I did not qualify off my I guess my official first try which was in June and then mm-hmm. I had to step off my marathon again um, at CIM. So it was two times I tried to qualify, did not mm-hmm. make it. Um, and then the last go around was at Chevron and, you know. It was your day. Right. <laughs> it, it was, was your day. day. <laughs> yeah, it yes. was definitely my day. Yes. Yeah, great, yeah. great. So how, how did- far would... Go ahead, Tommy. No, I'm sorry. I was just, I mean, because she had to come to Atlanta. So you got to ask everybody that comes to Atlanta. How did you feel about the course here in Atlanta when you came for the trials? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was very difficult. I would say that it was parallel and of experience to um, Boston 2018 because I did Boston 2018. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, That was the year that it was raining really bad and cold, right? Yes, I did it that year. And I think in terms of you know, effort and just like how hard it was, I think for me, I mean, my hat flew off. I think I tried to fall off like twice and I caught wow. it the third time. I was just like, I'm done. So just take it, please. <laughs> just take it off. <laughs> just take it. Um, and then I remember, I think the last turn at the rings, I was headed down about to turn and every woman that I saw that would make that turn would just like get blown away. Mm. Um, and you just saw their face like just get smacked by the wind and so I was just bracing myself for a long uphill against the wind and you know I think it was races like 2018 like when I did Boston that I think have really tested me mentally and Mm. I'm so glad I actually did that race because I think it prepared me so much for you know the race that I tried to qualify in or the two other times that I tried to you know, that I tried to qualify and I didn't make it. And then actually racing the trials, I think it really built up my mental strength and stamina Mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of rolling with the punches because, you know, 
if you did 2018, that marathon, you know that you didn't know what was going to happen midway or what was going to happen at mile 25. Like you had no idea. You just have right. to go and fully experience it and just give it, you know, what you had. Right. Um, so I think when getting to, when I got to Atlanta, I draw a lot on, you know, Boston 2018 for any marathon now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, being that we are an Atlanta-based podcast, um, we hope that you enjoyed the hospitality here in Atlanta and that Atlanta Track Club did you well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was so fun. I think, you know, it was just so exciting um, coming in and like all of the, everything that was coordinated was really well done. My boyfriend was just like, I think we should move to Atlanta. Right. Come <laughs> <So> on. <laughs> Yes, we're here for it. Really? Wow. Okay. And I was like, I like Houston, but okay. Wow, Listen, that's so my funny. family, my He's family so lives funny. in Dallas. Um, in Dallas, Texas, my family lives there. But I'm like, hands down, Atlanta all the way. I lived in Dallas for a small amount of time, but I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm bringing myself back to Atlanta. So tell your boyfriend to keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. Everywhere we go visit, he's like, I think we should move here, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> it's something about Houston that doesn't have him all the way. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because we're uh, we're both born and raised Houston. I mean, uh, we're in Texas. Yeah. So it's like Texas till I die, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, congratulations, um, Charlie. You finished the Olympic Trials Marathon in two fifty one thirty nine, which is amazing, and that's a six thirty three minute mile pace. Like just, mm-hmm. just amazing. So yes. it's just one of those things. We, Tommy and I, were out on the course yelling loud, cheering. Yes, and it was just an amazing experience to not only watch but to to rewatch it on TV and just to be. <laughs> there on the front line watching you or your ladies and men run by and just all the effort that y'all put in for that for a long time to get to that point so congratulations again I don't want to not tell you that a thousand times but <laughs> thank you thank you thank big you. accomplishment for sure no yes. and I think that's like the really fun part of like being a runner is like you know at whatever level you can fully appreciate whoever is racing mm-hmm. um, I know because I've you know I've been, been the injured runner before and I've been at the finish line and like you just feel for whoever is finishing like you just can't help it unless like you have no feelings right but for the most part you're just so excited that that person is actually had the courage to try right and you get like I know I find myself getting emotional I'm like girl you got yeah. it like, <laughs> Cause you, you know, you kind of been there and then it's like, you're yeah. in all, like, I know for me, I was in awe at how fast, like all those people were going. I'm like, it was just, it was just amazing. But just, you see yeah. the grit, you see the determination on people's faces and you see when it hurts mm-hmm. and you know, it hurts and you're just like, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, definitely. So where are you right now in regards to, um, running, you know, coming off of the trials? And I know right now there's not a lot of racing going on, but what are you, are you just kind of keeping maintenance or what is your current running style right now? Yeah, I am just, you know, trying to maintain some of my fitness. Um, I definitely try not to put a lot of pressure on myself to try to bounce back really quickly. I will say now that it's like May you know, it did take me a while to bounce back after the trials. I did feel really lethargic, really mm-hmm. tired. Um, 
I was like missing running and but also like not I didn't feel like motivated to try and like do like 10 mile runs for a while it was just kind of like eh. mm-hmm. like there's no point in me doing this because you know I had been non-stop training since fall of 2018 Mm -hmm. Um, if I really backtracked it so if I kept on trying to train and push my body I would be injured Mm -hmm. so I had to really like get that like mind check like hey this is what my body needs it needs a lot of rest it needs some PLC it I also need to like nurture other parts of me other than running now because I put this thing so in front of my whole life so for me personally I'm one of those people that just knows that I need to you know, yes, running is like a big part of who I am and it's always going to be. Mm -hmm. But I also need to recognize like, you know, it's not the season to be running so much either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Allowing yourself that rest and you deserve it. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and we're so used to going, 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 but some it's okay Mm -hmm. to not have to put all those miles in. So I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So as you know, um, this, we really wanted to have you on the podcast because being a dietitian that focuses on runners, there's so many questions that can be asked around nutrition, how we should fuel our body. Um, what are some good things, bad things, recovery, all of those things. So we were able to obtain some questions from our listeners um, as far as um, any questions towards a nutritionist like yourself. So I wanted to kind of dive into some of those questions. Um, And again, for our listeners, I know some of y'all sent some very specific questions, but of course, She's not going to be able to give you exact because she has to have a conversation with you. She needs to learn a little bit more about your history and all of that. And if you want those type services, you can definitely go to her page and I'm sure she will help you with that. But we do want to be able to give you all some, um, some kind of generic responses or roundabout questions, um, responses to some of those questions. All right. So I know that carb loading is one of the biggest questions that first come up when it comes to runners and their nutrition. So I've heard a lot of things in regards to carb loading. Should it be the night before? Should it be two days before? So the glycogen breakdown can happen. Should it be weeks? Should you be carb loading for weeks in regards to, I guess, either a half marathon or a big uh, marathon run? Um, But can you kind of give us a a overview on what you think is kind of best in regards to carbs and carb loading? Uh, so in carb loading, normally you do want to focus on, especially before race, you definitely want to make sure that most of your meals are carbohydrate dense um, and also limiting some like high fiber foods too. So that way you don't have the runs while you're racing. Mm-hmm. Um, or again, that way you wake up and um, you don't feel bad. So I always encourage, don't leave it to the very last meal. Um, and I think that's where people get a little bit confused because we always have like this, um, like carb load the day before. And I think most of the time people are carb loading at night at dinner time when mm-hmm. it's the very last meal before. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure to space it out throughout the day too, because um, what if you know, you're nervous the night before and you can't eat dinner? What are you going to do? Like mm-hmm. you still need carbohydrates. So you always want to make sure to space it out, breakfast, lunch, snacks, and dinner um, before that. And like what an actual meal would look like, just to put it into perspective, 
it would be maybe like a bagel with some eggs and peanut butter um, like the day before. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe like your snacks or graham crackers, animal crackers, pretzels, things like that. Um, and this is a little bit more specific for some clients that I work with. Mm -hmm. And then lunch would probably be like a sandwich with some turkey, um, maybe like lettuce, tomato, and then a cup of fruit, maybe a, a bag of baked chips. Again, if we're really picking it apart, most of it is like 75% carbohydrate. Um, so we're really making a point to get some carbs in. Um, again, another snack. And then dinner time would probably be something super simple like chicken breast, um, maybe a potato, and then um, like a breadstick, just depending on how much that person could take gut-wise and fiber. Um, so just to give somebody an idea, normally... Sometimes I do get people who will have a pasta dinner, like a larger dinner, mm -hmm. like the, like two nights before their race. Mm -hmm. So that's dependent on that person. So um, again, some people will do that. Personally, um, I will kind of do that. I wouldn't say that I do for certain, but I do make sure that my whole day's worth of eating beforehand is great. Um, so that way, Again, I'm feeling good. Um, and then I also get questions on electrolytes. Should I be doing electrolytes the whole week of? I wouldn't say yes, because your body's going to have to find equilibrium. And so you may actually urinate most of your electrolytes out. So when it actually becomes time to take in your electrolytes, you may just be uh, excreting them um, right. because your body's like, hey, I got electrolytes. I need to excrete them. Right. So um, I always encourage, again, making sure that the person is, you know, taking their electrolytes the day before alongside carbohydrates. Um, and then in the middle of the night, if they're waking up to drink water, probably making it like a Gatorade or like a juice. Right. And mm -hmm. I think something that stuck out to me is that ensuring that you're not having high fiber meals or snacks prior to even long runs. So long runs or race day. So you're probably not going to, you probably want to want to steer away from like broccoli and apples and things like those. Those are things that usually have higher fiber that can well, cause you oh, to go yeah. to the bathroom. Also yeah. you yeah. want to, well, this is what I've always told. Cause a lot of, you know, for health reasons, people think whole wheat and all kinds of stuff like that. But before you're running, you really don't want to, because it's hard to process your body. It's mm -hmm. harder for your body to process. You're talking about whole wheats and uh, brand yeah. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be harder. Again, this is dependent on somebody's like GI symptoms. Mm -hmm. I'm somebody personally that can handle fiber. Like mm -hmm. I will be eating a salad the day before a race if I maybe not like them as my meal, but like <laughs> there's going to be some roughage mm -hmm. on my plate. You're going to see some green. And like my two training partners, it's like chicken and plain potato with salt. Like they will not touch a vegetable. 48 hours before their race. Mm. Um, so it just depends on who it is exactly. Um, for me, I don't have a lot of GI issues. So I'm probably somebody that is going to have more vegetables and whole wheat stuff. Um, so again, it's, that's why it's really helpful to work with somebody, especially if you're having problems. So that way you also get on a consistent like um, bowel movement schedule too. Mm -hmm. um, and you also already know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Right. So I know that a lot of people, and this is a myth 
or I don't want to say it's a myth, but you'll see a lot of people like the night before they're like, oh, pasta. Oh, let me go get this random slice of pizza. Mm -hmm. And of course, pizza has all the the grease for days and that could cause GI issues as well. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just kind of good carbs for fueling as a runner versus, and I don't want to say bad carbs because I don't think carbs are necessarily bad. And I want to be cautious Mm -hmm. on the verbiage around how we word our food and you know what how we see it as but just carbs that are better for runners that are have I guess more nutrient dense for us to be able to process better as runners Mm -hmm. yeah so that's a really great question and thank you for referring to carbs in that way I I like carbs and I'm like I'm like non-keto I tell people I'm like we need carbs (laughs) (laughs) thank you I fully 100% agree with that okay Um, (laughs) So one thing I always encourage is if we're looking at labels, again, looking at maybe simple carbs versus complex carbs. Um, So simple carbs are going to be the things that Tom has kind of already touched on would be things that are not whole grain. They're going to be very simple. Um, They could be dubbed as like more processed, Mm -hmm. but they still do have a place for runners. I would probably encourage more of simple carbohydrates. Um, before a run because you're not going to get as many stomach problems before a run so there is a place for simple carbs for runners and that could be like plain cheerios um it could be saltine crackers it could be a fig bar um a white piece of bread um things like that um could always work really well before a run especially if that person is needing carbohydrate to balance out their blood sugar during their run Um, And that way you also get sustained energy. Um, Complex carbs, they're going to digest slower in your gut. um, So they're not going to have as much of an impact on your blood sugar. So that's going to be much more like wave kind of deal versus like a simple going to have like up and down. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an immediate effect, which is what you want when you're on a run. Um, Normally, complex carbs, they're going to have fiber. So we're going to stay full with them more than likely for longer periods of time. And then we're not going to have that crashing effect that simple carbs would have if we're not running. Mm, Okay. Totally makes sense. Totally Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I got a lot of questions in regards to, and I, around the whole thing about keto. And that's why I just made a joke Mm -hmm. about it because, you know, there are, there are runners that are keto and they don't ingest And I guess, let me say this, of course, people sometimes don't realize that vegetables and fruit do have carbs in them. However, they may not Mm -hmm. be the same as a slice of bread or a bagel or a Mm -hmm. potato. Um, But I think that there there are runners that can fuel or have been seen to fuel themselves on um, without having I guess the, the bigger, the, the carbs that most people are usually aware of, like the potatoes and the bread. Um, with that being said, we have some people that message about how to maintain, I guess the, the science between not gaining weight, but then also marathon training. So a lot of people say I've gained weight during marathon training and I feel like I'm carb loading correctly. I feel like I'm doing all of these things right um, but they still gain weight, but then they're trying to figure out, okay, now I've, I'm putting down all these miles. You would think that I would be super, super skinny because I'm putting all these miles in. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. And, and that's a very, very common um, question I get because we do get hungry. It's inevitable. Um, especially if you are logging all those miles. 
So a couple of things I always encourage is um, you have to kind of choose as when you start um, ramping up your training, are you running for performance or are you running for weight loss? And like, there's no right or wrong answer. There is no judgment here, but the person has to acknowledge and has to be okay with which direction they're going to choose. If you're like, I want to perform well and lose weight, there's going to be several things that are going to happen. Um, you're not going to be happy with your food uh, or, or like your exercise relationship. You're going to burn out or you're going to get injured. Um, and if you do have weight loss and you do have um, increase in performance, there's probably something else going on with nutrition. And I don't mean that in a right or wrong way either. Mm -hmm. It could just be like there's two different things happening that maybe that person is not um, realizing. If they're doing it intentionally, they pose, they're imposing a risk on their body every time they're under fueling for injury. Um, if somebody is fueling the right way and the weight loss is just a byproduct, then to me, that's actually a much healthier way of, you know, training because they're probably making much healthier decisions. And the weight loss is just probably happening very gradually throughout an entire training session um, or throughout an entire training cycle because that training cycle is about 12 to 16 weeks long, sometimes 20 for some people, depending on where they're starting. Um, so if the person loses like five pounds in an entire training block, that means that they lost like maybe a pound a month. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very sustainable. If somebody's like, I'm hoping to lose 10 pounds in a 12 week training block, I would probably mm -hmm. encourage like, you know, you're going to have to be at a deficit, but then your training is going to be going up. So you got to hit as even as possible. Right. There is, there's still definitely a lot of science applied in either way, mm -hmm. but the person has to ultimately decide where is your mindset when you're starting your training? Is it to lose weight or is it to actually feel good, feel healthy and see performance improve? Um, and again, there is no right way. It just, you have to be okay with whatever path you choose and kind of stick to it too. Um, I think there's so much, I, I hear a lot of people talk about a lot of another reason why runners tend to gain weight during marathon season. It's because we're putting down or marathon training, half marathon, whatever it may be, we're putting mm -hmm. down miles and then we get done running these long miles and then we're like, I'm just going to eat everything. <laughs> that, that too, yeah. Not, yeah. Not only is your body hungry because you just depleted sometimes 2000 calories in a run like you know I've had that happen but you're you're just really really hungry and then you basically and I don't want to say overeat but you eat more than probably what you necessarily need nutrition wise and then it causes the weight to kind of go on exactly so um kind of uh, adding on to that it would be maybe you're not having a breakfast like maybe you're not eating enough at throughout like your meal times and that could cause snacking to happen and maybe you're not making the most nutritious or nourishing choices at snack time. So that could be happening. Number two, it could be maybe you're not fueling before your run or during your run, and that's causing you to feel overly hungry after your run. Mm -hmm. Number three could be if you finish a long run, and this happens a lot with runners where the weekends totally go out of whack. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're finishing a long run, you don't feel hungry you wait three hours after your run to eat something, all the cravings are going to come. And that's because you haven't replenished what you lost 
So your body knows what it needs and is going to ask it, do I need salty? Do I need carby? Do I need sugary things? Because your body needs immediate equilibrium. So it's going to ask for the most immediate sources of these things. And that could be chips, desserts, cookies, ice cream, all kinds of things. Because your body is needing fast nutrition Mm -hmm. and it's going to ask for it in those forms. Gotcha. So Mm -hmm. how soon should you, speaking of uh, eating prior to running, I guess how much time is usually kind of like a good baseline to eat before a long run? Because I know I'm bad at that, eating for a long run. Usually I'll get like a honey stinger waffle and I'll eat that, but usually that's not enough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. It just depends on how much time that person has or how much they're willing to give themselves. Um, So if that person wants to give themselves an hour or they have an hour before, then they could probably have something like a honey stinger or even 30 minutes before. I think that's actually a great choice actually Okay. Um, before a run, especially if somebody is like waiting to the last minute to um, get up and leave their house. Um, I know that's me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm, like, I'm like rushing out the door too. I'm like, oh, gotta go. Yeah, and I'm always five minutes late. So <laughs> I mean, I will always get at least some kind of quick snack, like a honey stinger. Um, for me personally, I'm not like, ooh, I need a banana in the morning. Like that's not that's not my jam. Um, mm-hmm. I'll probably do like a handful of cereal, dry cereal, um, a fig bar. Um, it could always be. Um, I don't want to say like a low fiber muffin, but it could even be like a toast, like a, a plain piece of toast, uh, a rice cake with nut butter, a uh, granola bar, dried fruit, um, maybe half a cup to a whole cup of uh, sports drink. Something mm-hmm. like that could be just as beneficial or even a gel. Some people will have a gel beforehand. Now, mm-hmm. if they're actually like physically hungry, I always encourage that's where you add the protein, like a toast with peanut butter, a mm-hmm. granola bar with nuts in it, a banana with peanut butter. Um, yeah, those things that are going to, you know, keep you more satiated for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a question that yeah. I wonder how important this is because a lot of people talk about it. The difference between process. Okay. They call it processed foods, but they say it's healthy. Um, and non-processed, like natural foods, fruits, you know, stuff like that. So just for an example, like they make these pancakes now that are supposed to be healthy pancakes, but it's still, it's a powder, it's been processed. What do you say about that? I mean, how do you fit on that? Are you more of a a natural foods person, like raw foods, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing? Or do you eat the processed foods um, that are supposedly healthy? Right. So I, you know, I eat processed foods. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I eat vegetables <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> but I do eat processed foods. So I think a lot of the times there has been a lot of mistrust with food industry and consumers, right? Um, because there are a lot of, there have been a lot of packaged goods that have not been the best and mm-hmm. that we were told that were not the best. Um, now, when I look at sustainability and I, and this, not sustainability in terms of environment, but when I'm looking at sustainable habits um, for a person, maybe that person is like on the go, has a very busy lifestyle, um, cannot be cooking all the time. Like to me, that's a privileged person. Mm-hmm. Um, or you probably make a lot of time, but not everybody is open to that amount of time. And 
I cannot shame that person either, mm-hmm. especially if that person's coming to me for help. Um, and I think that's also a sad part about being a dietitian is that a lot of people think that dietitians are going to shame them for choosing these foods. Mm-hmm. But for me as a dietitian, it's really important for me to know about all kinds of hey, I don't have time to be making an omelet with, scr- with vegetables and a slice of toast in the morning. Like, that sounds healthy and that sounds great, but like, it's not going to be sustainable for that person mm-hmm, three mm-hmm. months from now. So mm-hmm. what is? Um, so like, I I always encourage doing things that are going to be within the interest and it's going to be most in alignment with that person's goals and also with like their lifestyle first and foremost. Um, I never want to put on more work on the person because what that causes is overwhelm. Um, and then people are like, I can't do this. Like healthy eating is not for me. This is out of my reach. Who am I thinking? I'm not made for this, right? I'm always going to fail because I always fail at diets. And that's what I always encourage is like, no, it's just that we've been sold this idea that healthy is whole and processed and perfect, but healthy is what is sustainable and what's actually going to carry out with you for months at a time. So if somebody's like, I love pancakes and I want to fit that in there. I'd be like, cool, you know, let's make it work. And I'm going to show you how to make it work. So, um, of course there's always ones that are going to be a lot more nutritious for the, the athlete. Mm-hmm. Personally, I love Kodiak cakes. I was going to say Kodiak yeah, cakes are so good. Yeah. They are mm-hmm. my favorite. Um, I get a package from them every month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just got their apricot syrup, which is fantastic. Really, I haven't tried it. Okay, it's really, really good. Uh, So I would always say, like, hey, like, if we break this down, like, a pancake is a carbohydrate, and maybe like we don't make our meal 100% carbohydrate, right? Because we're not going to feel full if we have three, two pancakes, right? We're going to need four pancakes to make us full. But then what does that cause that person? They're at a protein deficiency or like they're not getting enough protein. They don't feel good or they're still hungry throughout the day, right? Or they're still snacking. So the way that I would balance that out with a client would be like, hey, why don't we have this thing? It's pancakes, it's yummy. And why don't we do some eggs with spinach on the side? How does that sound? If that person is still like, I don't want to cook. Cool, what else can we do? So it's like really tailoring it to that person. Okay. Yeah, so processed foods have a a place in everybody's diet, in my opinion. Right. Especially now, like if you're living like on a farm and you can't get anywhere, then you're probably gonna have more of that. But you know, in terms of most people, like most people live in metropolitan cities, um, so we can only go to the grocery store if you're trying to be safe, like every two weeks. Um, so again, there is gonna be some processed food. Right in there can't be perfect. <laughs> yeah, you drive yourself crazy. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> how do you? I know earlier you mentioned um, you mentioned gels. Um, we had a listener ask about how often they should be fueling with a gel or a chew or some kind of goo, Martin, whatever it is. Um, throughout the run, I know for me myself, I've had people say, "Oh, after you." 
have hit six miles, um, you should start fueling. But then I've had some people say, well, your six miles may be different than my starless six miles. Like your six miles could be in 20 minutes and mine may be an hour and a half. So, you know, is there kind of a generic baseline as far as fueling yourself on those runs? That's a great question. So if I were looking at a long run, um, so most long runs are gonna be more than an hour, mm -hmm. you definitely do need to fuel. Um, I always encourage people, don't look at the pace because that's not a great indicator of that because everybody's perceived effort is different. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think it also just neutralizes like where everybody's at in their running too. Um, because I think some people also look at it as like self-efficacy, like I'm not fast enough to have a gel. It's basically telling me I haven't earned my right for a gel. I haven't earned mm -hmm. my right for healing. I haven't earned my right for food. Um, so I always encourage like, it's not about how fast you are that's gonna make you a well-fueled runner. It's the amount of time that you're out there. So mm -hmm. if you're out there for long periods of time, you need more nutrition. You're mm -hmm. going to be battling the heat for much longer than me. Mm -hmm. I think that person deserves a gel or two. So I'm always like, let's look at it for time-wise. Okay. And so normally I start people off at like every 30 minutes um, to begin with. If a person has a lot of um, GI symptoms, it's a little bit slower and strategic to help them build up their gut tolerance for these carbohydrates or the gels. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really gut training. And so that's what we call it. I guess dietitians call it gut training. We're training mm -hmm. you to your gut to be able to hold and absorb the amount of carbohydrates um, that you're supposed to take. So we never want to start anybody off like right away, like, hey, we're going to take, you know, three gels during this time it's gonna be a very like strategic process, especially if that person is still trying to figure out what is it, like what kind of gel they actually need for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I always uh, like to start at 30 minutes um, blocks. So that way we can figure out what feels good and what's gonna feel right for that person. Because the worst thing is like, you know, it's so anxiety inducing for a lot of people when you take a gel for the first time and then you got to use the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. And I feel bad too, because it's, I'm just like, I want to help the person so much and I want them to enjoy their run. Then it's right. like, but we still have to like, let's peel it back. Let's start off with half a gel every mm -hmm. 30 minutes. And then when that gets good, we move up to a whole gel. Right. And then when we get down every 30 minutes, we'll see how the fluid is. So it's like piece by piece at work that training that person, but typically every 30 minutes. Okay. Is there a certain amount of calories? Because I know that some, like I know Martin is a little bit more strategic as far as how many calories are within their gels, but is there a certain amount of calories that's good to ingest during timeframes? Um, so that would be dependent more on like your length of time. Normally for like a race, I encourage like, so the most that anybody can ingest is like 80, 80 and up, like 80 to 100 is like the max depending on the person. Um, grams of carbs. So like a gel would be like 25 to 28 grams of carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. So you can take three of those in an hour. Um, that would be like your max. Um, some people take a little bit more, especially if they have fluid like Gatorade, you're going to be ingesting more. Um, I take one every 5k in a race. So I'm taking oh, wow. gel, 10 gels. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was told I wasn't taking enough gels. It sounds like I wasn't. (laughs) There's a lot of people that I have met that will take one like every five, five miles. And that's like once, one, once every hour, maybe. And like, by the time they get to mile 20, they're still lacking on two gels. Mm -hmm. so once they get those extra two gels in they're like whoa I didn't realize that I actually needed it right I'm like that's how you don't hit the wall right (laughs) I hear it's the science to it all (laughs) yeah that's how you don't hit the wall um you're able to power through and then you have enough caffeine to where you're actually able to like make a move and like think on your feet Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's like it definitely helps with like even like alertness um when I did Boston, I made sure to take my gels because one, that was the only thing I could control. Um, it was freezing and I needed to stay alert. I needed my muscles to keep contracting, um, or else, you know, what was going to happen was I was going to freeze out there. Literally freeze. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes that's the only thing you can control out there. Mm -hmm. And everything else like you can't control how you're going to feel but you can't control your nutrition in a race so mm-hmm. why not make sure that it's actually like nailed down right yeah so is there a and i know this is specific to ladies and their physical health but is there have you heard or are there any concerns with women that are expecting and taking nutrition or gels or any foods that are good to kind of aid that and i'm not pregnant let me put that out there hold on starla before you say that because my listeners will be like well are you pregnant why are you asking i am not pregnant <laughs> I am not pregnant, but um, Starla, is there anything that you recommend for pregnant mamas that are also running anything that kind of aids, you know, uh, I guess the process. And I mean, I guess I can loop this into another question is any foods that are good for like recovery and the body and kind of helping with soreness and things of that nature. Yeah, I definitely encourage a lot of hydration, number one. Um, baby's got to live in some kind of fluid. So you want to make sure that baby has enough fluid and so does mom. I think a lot of people don't think about it in that way, but you always want to stay hydrated. Um, number two, you also want to make sure that you're getting enough protein. Sometimes it can be really hard for pregnant women to get enough protein during their their pregnancy because um, sometimes it may not sound appetizing or it may cause sickness. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage, you know, maximizing the times that after you run that you're hungry, make sure to get your protein. Um, and a good way to think about it too is like, it's not only benefiting you, baby also needs it because um, it has to form its organs, its tissue, its heart, its ears, its skin. All of that isn't all of that needs protein so making sure to get enough too um it's also going to keep um, pregnant moms full and satisfied and it also helps manage blood sugars too um, of course exercise does as well during pregnancy um, but i always encourage getting enough of those things um, fully is another big one it's going to help with neural tube defects so making sure that you're getting enough greens or also on your prenatal vitamin um, iron is another big one, and that's going to be from most of your protein foods, grains, um, nuts, and things like that as well. So again, making sure that you're taking your prenatal vitamin is essential. Um, and it also protein. Again, it just reaffirms that you need your protein. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Mm-hmm. 
And then other things for inflammation and soreness would be like turmeric, um, tart cherries, um, fatty fish, so omega-3s. Um, that would also be in a prenatal vitamin, but that could also be applied to any kind of runner or athlete. Um, so making sure that those things are also in your diet. Beets is another great one. Um, they also, like, sometimes I will encourage, like, if I see that a person is really into supplements or things like that, I'll encourage, you know, maybe somebody does like a beet juice with cher like cherry juice in it, something mm. um, like something along that nature. And a lot of juice places like in a local area will have some kind of beet juice. So that could also work well for after a run, um, you'll get enough carbohydrates. So you're refilling your muscle stores with glycogen. So those kinds of things could definitely work. Of course, that's like super strategic, but mm -hmm. every once in a while I get somebody that's like wanting to pop all kinds of pills and I'm like, okay, like there's definitely a time for that, but <laughs> I think, you know, we can, we can work something out here. Right. Gotcha. I do have a question for um, those of us who are older. Um, as, as you get older, of course, your nutritional needs change. How would you, like, have you ever had to work with someone who was getting up there, you know, like I'm 50 something. And, <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, I can tell that my body is definitely changing as I get older. Are there nutritional things that we can do to try to, you know, stave off um, what happens to your body as you get older? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. Um, I had a gentleman, he was like, uh, he was more into like middle distance because he couldn't take all the pounding anymore. So he was more focused on like two mile, 5K, maybe 10K, but anything 5K and under, he enjoyed a lot more. Um, so I also recommend like, hey, maybe like half and full, like it's not, it doesn't make you feel good anymore, but there's always other distances too. Um, and USA Track and Field has like other events too for older adults. So mm -hmm. I always encourage like, hey, you may be really good in your age group in those things. Like who knows, right? There's mm -hmm. no path. <laughs> Um, so I always encourage number one for lean body mass, you always want to get enough protein. Um, that's going to be one of the best things for somebody that's older, um, or I guess aging population. Um, I hate saying older, but we don't mind. We all, it's okay. We are you're we, seasoned, you know. Tommy. You're seasoned. <laughs> there you go. In the no problem season. with it. I earned these uh, gray hairs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I always encourage getting enough protein. Um, also, omega threes are going to be great as well for athletes. Um, again, that could be in the form of like an actual tablet or in your multivitamin. Um, so looking at those things could be really helpful. Um, and then also the same things that you know help with soreness, like a turmeric. If you wanted to take a turmeric supplement, it's curcumin. So those are also helpful. I have a client that uses it for his joints, um, and he was also using um, a beet supplement as well. Mm. So he liked all of those things. Um, there's also um, vitamin D is a really important one too. Um, so making sure that people are getting enough vitamin D, um, specifically um, populations of color. So mm -hmm. we don't absorb it as readily. Um, so I always encourage that. I mean, even I was vitamin D deficient and I'm always outside too. Um, so making sure that we are getting those as well. Um, so making sure that 
again, we're taking those supplements. Yeah. And that's actually what I do encourage. Um, you know, if you have a really good vitamin, a multivitamin, if it has vitamin D and K together, because mm -hmm. it helps solidify with absorption. A lot of multivitamins on the market don't have them. You have to buy them separately. So D3 with K2. But you know you have a really good multivitamin if you have both in there. I'm over here taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Save you money. <laughs> now, Tommy, this is a question for you too. Well, not a question for you, but you might want to hear about this mm -hmm. um, and take your notes. So we did have some guys reach out. Um, mm -hmm. it, some people feel like it's rare that you see a muscular or a guy that has more mass to them um when they're runners it's it's a little bit more rare i'm not saying it doesn't happen but it's rare because a lot of men feel like the more you run you lose more muscle so is there any recommendations that you have in regards to i guess nutrition or things that they can do differently to ensure that they keep some mass um, instead of kind of leaning out um, so for that one, I would encourage getting enough calories right away would be number one. Um, making sure that your meal timing is spot on, especially for recovery purposes, or else your body is going to, you know, tap into your stores, making sure that you're fueling throughout your run. Um, so that's going to be also essential um, to, to make sure that people are doing. And then making sure that they're still including things like healthy fats too, because um, that's also going to be important for somebody who wants to retain their math. I think a lot of people will look over the healthy fats, but because it is fat, and I think fat has gotten such a bad rap for like avocados, like avocados, hummus, tahini, seeds, um, nuts. Those are going to be really great. Um, olive oils, um, canola oils, things like that are going to be also really helpful for someone. Um, nut butters are also going to be great in terms of keeping on some of that, that mass. Yeah. So there's ways to incorporate like higher calorie foods into somebody's diet. And I would always encourage, um, doing that. Cause I know a lot of men, um, they don't want to be super stick thin or like emaciated looking when they start putting on all of the, the, right. <laughs> um, so of course we also want to make sure that that person is staying injury free. And the only way to do that is again, you know, having a good training plan and then making sure the nutrition is, you know, backing it up. So I always encourage getting enough calories too. A lot of people, including men, they, from what I have seen is that they're under like 500 calories sometimes, most of the time. So whenever I break it down for them and show them like an equation and kind of where they're at, I'm like, you're still 500 calories under and this is why you know maybe you're losing weight or you don't feel great mm -hmm. um so it could also be reaffirmed like if you ate more you would feel better too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah totally makes sense mm -hmm. yeah they want to be fast like kipchoge but they don't want to be as lean as him <laughs> yeah <laughs> they want to be fast like Kipchoge, but they, they want to look like a running back from the Atlanta Falcons. So yeah, that's like, that doesn't work, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I also think, you know, having a good um, strength coach could also be helpful in that way. Um, I think a lot of times men are also fed a lot of like 
certain stereotypes about runners and men that have masks on. Um, from just like being an athlete for a really long time and in college, there's definitely different levels of like athleticism and what an athlete looks like. I, I guess in my head, like I'm able to accept like all bodies. Um, right. So I don't, I, like, I guess I kind of grew up in an extremes too. Like I remember being at U of H and there was like this football player that was like six, five tons of mass on him. And then like, I looked to my right and it was like a, like a really thin, um, uh, runner guy. So I guess like I've seen a lot of different body types, mm -hmm. but I will say that once runners and even men, like just like women, once we have enough maturity and like hormones and things like that, that aid in muscle growth. Um, and the only way to actually do that too is to eat enough calories. Right. Eat yeah. enough and run train. I think you have to, mm -hmm. in my mind, you would have to be lifting as much as you're running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in my mind, like you would, you would have to still, couldn't still do that. Yeah. And I guess like when I was in college, we did have a lot of strength training happening. So, um, you know, towards the end of the four years, the guys that I was training with, um, they had finally built up enough muscle mass too. So it could also take time. I mean, I'm not a strength coach or like a strength specialist, mm -hmm. but this is just like all of my own like observation and experiences. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. So I know we touched on, um, keto and just obviously carbs are runners friends like in everybody's friends like carbs should be you know something that should be used to help to fuel our body can you give us your thoughts on the and I call it a fad like I just the whole diet culture thing is not my thing like I think we should change it to a healthy lifestyle instead of like doing these things that are becoming the it thing so your keto and your intermittent <laughs> fasting um what are, what are your thoughts on I guess intermittent fasting and kind of eating for your blood type I think that's something that a lot of people don't take the time to kind of dove into when they're trying to figure out their body type and how different foods react to react for them Okay, that's a that's a great one. So I'm gonna be quite honest. I don't really know too much about the blood type one. Um, I guess like I've been living in non diet culture land as well for a while. That I'm like, whoa, I, <laughs> What's yeah, that? I I will say from the times that I have, I guess like learned about it or come across it, it's what I think that they're talking about is um, if you have like blood type O, you're your body thrives off of more like higher carb meals or like you're able to take in like enough carbohydrates to support a certain amount of training is what I got. I'm, I mean, I'm not like the blood type expert, but I will say like, to me, it, I don't know if there's enough research and if there was, I feel like I would know about it in a much better <laughs> way. Okay, uh, that's fair. Yeah. And maybe I'm just being a little narcissistic too at the same time, but I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not, well-versed in that one. So I can't really say too much about it. Okay. But in terms of intermittent fasting, um, for those people that don't know, it's not really, again, how much you eat. It's more of like placing parameters on the times that you're actually allowed to eat. So it's placing a time limit um, of how much you, of what you, like your time window of eating, I should say. So, and it could go different ways, like um, fasting for 24 hours, fasting for 16 hours, um, 
having low calorie days two days out of the week. So five days a week you eat normally and then two days a week you eat um, a minimal or like a lower calorie diet. Um, and then another day you are doing about maybe like a 12 hour window of eating. Um, mm -hmm. So I think some people, they see effects to it because there are these rules in place for them that tell them can't eat after this amount of time. Um, and I think for me being the challenger, I'd be like, well, why do you feel like you need to have a time limit? What is happening when there is no time limit? Mm -hmm. What's going on in the hours that you're not allowing yourself to eat that you're not facing? Um, and that's a really deep question that a lot of people have to answer. Right. Maybe they know the answer, but they're afraid to admit it or maybe they tried to solve the problem, but have been unsuccessful. So much so, more to dig into. <laughs> a lot to dig into. Mm -hmm. So um, it all goes back to, again, improving your relationship with food. Um, for me, a lot of these diets, it all goes back to like, why is there this rule in place? Why is it saying that I have to only eat this way? Um, what happens when I don't eat this way? Or what if my lifestyle doesn't you know, fit into that? Um, and that if you're having those questions or it's not fitting in perfectly, then that diet is probably not for you um, because a diet shouldn't have to rule your life or to tell you how to live your life. Um, the way that intermittent fasting would affect a runner's life would be, um, you know, if there was a, like a, a window from 10 to 6 p.m. and you're waking up in the morning, you're going for your run you have to get to work and all of these things. Um, and, you know, you're unable to recover well, you're unable to have breakfast. Um, and so how that would affect somebody would be if I'm doing IF and I ran and I'm hungry and it's 8, 8, 8 a.m. and I still have to wait two hours to eat something. Um, so I'm delaying my recovery. I'm mm -hmm. going to get super hungry when it's finally time to eat. And I'm like, it's time for me to eat. Yay. I looked forward to 10 a.m. this entire time. Um, mm -hmm. Super hungry. And then I'm going to go have lunch. I'm still really hungry. And then I get home and I'm like, well, I have to go for a run. Do I eat dinner now? And then I go for my run afterwards. I don't replenish. So it's like, I'm having to schedule the rest of my life around this intermittent fasting. Right. Um, so I don't think people really like realize that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in my head too, it's, it's re delaying recovery and it's also affecting well-being. Um, I can't actually like move on with my life because I'm constantly waiting for these windows to come up or to close right. so I can eat something. Um, so that's how I perceive intermittent fasting and what i always encourage people to do too is like if you're doing it for weight loss um it's also lowering your metabolism too and it's going to cause sugar cravings to happen you're going to be really hungry when you finally get to that time mm -hmm. to eat mm -hmm. um, or what happens when you're trying so hard to fit your life into intermittent fasting and you eat at the time or the window that's expired right mm -hmm. um is that going to cause a lot of guilt and shame because you ate a piece of fruit or because you had a meal afterwards? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anybody should feel guilty or shameful for feeling hungry, a very normal and primal feeling, and then actually eating because it's a very normal and primal thing to do. 
Right. Mm. I, and I think when it comes to intermittent fat, and this is just my, my two cents, I think that what people don't realize is that when you're doing intermittent fasting, you are still, there's a minimum amount of calories that a body needs just to survive, right? When you do intermittent fasting, you still have to get that amount of calories in within that window of time. But I think people kind of do it in a different way to where they're cutting themselves back in such deficit because they only have that window of time. And then that's, I feel like that's where people are getting results, but it's not healthy results. Like it's not something that you potentially can sustain for years at a time. And then as soon as you go back to eating a regular, what you would regularly do, you gain that weight back. So that's just my thought process on it, but <laughs> it's just like eat, <laughs> eat enough meals a day with the correct caloric intake and correct fat, protein, carbs, and eat the or correct portions throughout the day so you don't have to restrict yourself. So that's just correct. my piece. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think also, you know, there's always going to be birthdays. There's always going to be familial mm-hmm. things. There's always going to be pandemics, you know, that right. are gonna challenge those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really have to just go with the flow on a lot of stuff, um, including nutrition. And I don't mean like go with the flow, like throw everything out the window, mm-hmm. but you do have to, you know, be able to listen to your body, know what it needs, you know, honor your hunger and fullness, um, and just really give it a lot more self-care than I think a diet should, than a, than a diet really can, is what I'm saying. Right. Okay. And one last question before we let you go, because I know we've been taking a lot of your time. You've given us some amazing information. Um, You touched on recovering after a run and having and fueling yourself within a certain within appropriate time frame. Is there a block of time that you should be fueling yourself after a run to aid with recovery? And also, I hear a lot about the percentage of protein versus carb intake that you should have. Like for instance, a lot of times when you go to races, they give you chocolate milk and that's because it has your protein and fat and carb kind of mixed in there. Is there, um, what's your thoughts on that and kind of helping with aiding recovery? And that might be a complex question, but. (laughs) No, 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 no. Very clear to me. Um, So with recovery, I always encourage at least a four to one carb to protein ratio because you still need to replenish your glycogen stores. Um, You heard me saying about protein for recovery and things like that. We also want to make sure that you're having carbohydrate um, after a hard workout, a long run, things like that, because that's going to help really push for that. And then it's Mm -hmm. also going to help with adaptation as well. So we want to make sure that we're replenishing, keeping everything together and feeling good. Um, some things that I always encourage would be like, if somebody's not feeling great after a run and they take a little bit of while to get hungry, um, or to work up an appetite for something, you want to have something like maybe Greek yogurt with some fruit, um, an egg with a piece of toast, uh, toast with nut butter, something like that. It could be a protein shake. They sell them at gas stations, like, you know, Mm -hmm. drink one. Those are fantastic. Um, And then also fluid and hydration. Some people need electrolytes. So just some easy options. And chocolate milk is a great one, actually. Um, I recommend it to a lot of my clients that take a while to work up an appetite. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are great. And there's also things like um, soy milk with chocolate. 
um, for people who are plant-based um, and don't want to do that, or that are lactose intolerant, there's um, lactate with chocolate milk, um, with chocolate in it. So there's definitely options available for, I think, everybody. Um, when it comes to your window, you definitely do want to try and make have something as soon as possible. So that's why maybe those snacks are probably the better option for some people that are not hungry. If you do have a snack, maybe about an hour, two hours later after that snack, you have a full meal, okay? Um, what happens when you don't replenish within a good window of time is your your body's still going to need that replenishment. It's going to need that energy. And that's why people have sugar cravings after long runs. And they're like, and they try to justify, well, I shouldn't even say that, but they try to wonder or like solve why is it they're having all these sugar cravings and they're always going for desserts later on or, you know, oh, I just had a long run. I deserve this too. Um, so I always encourage like, hey, if you're really trying to change some of these habits um, and make new ones that are going to be helpful, make sure that you refill after a long run. Um, and again, make sure that you're eating, you know, regular meals because when we skip a meal, you still need that energy from that meal. So mm -hmm. it's going to find its way in your diet mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, so I always encourage going and having something um, like, a, like an omelet with toast or um, maybe like an omelet with turkey sausage or turkey bacon, some fruit, something like that. Right now, a lot of my runners like fruit um, after the long runs because of the electrolytes and the hydration. It's refreshing. Mm -hmm. And it's refreshing right now. And it's, you know, that's a, a typical snack for me throughout the day too. Um, but I usually do encourage like, hey, let's get some fruit in at your breakfast time because you're probably going to need a little bit more hydration than what you're thinking right now. Okay. okay. And you mentioned four to one. Is that four? What break? Tell me, tell, uh, tell us again what the four to one ratio is. Um, it's carb to protein. Okay. So mm -hmm. four grams of carbs per one gram of protein. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. All the good stuff. All, All the that good stuff. stuff. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, Starla, yes. I mean, I have really enjoyed hearing all the information about nutrition. Is there mm -hmm. any one thing or anything that we missed mm -hmm. that you want to tell our audience? Mm -hmm. Um, I think you guys did a really good job. I can't, you know, I'm trying to think. Honestly, if you let me go, I'll keep going. So, <laughs> any, I guess, it, another way to maybe phrase it, any myths that you feel like we didn't debunk? Because I think that there's, we've definitely kind of debunked or just kind of given a little bit more education behind some of the myths with keto and carb loading, things of that nature. Any myths that we may have left out that you feel like you um, hear a lot? I get a lot of like, do I really need three meals and three snacks a day? Um, and I think that's very dependent on each person. Um, maybe like, and the way I like to phrase it too, cause like I get it a lot from like women. I feel like men are just like, okay, well I'm hungry. I'm just gonna eat a snack. I'm like, not mm -hmm. a big deal. But women, it's like, they're so focused on how many times because that will automatically translate to like a woman's appetite. And that's not very like desirable, quote unquote desirable to have a large appetite as a woman. Um, or to be eating a lot or like we're constantly comparing plates mm -hmm. and like, Oh, I ate a lot. Or like if I compare it to my spouse or my partner, I'm eating a lot more than he is. Right. Right. So one thing I always challenge is um, it's not really the amount 
of meals that is going to get you somewhere. It's Mm -hmm. making sure that you're eating enough for your activity. And then if you have a goal of weight loss, um, because there is, you know, I know I preach a lot about not being on a diet, but I'm not anti-weight loss. It's just, I'm not a fan of diets because if you're going to do a diet and it's not actually teaching you how to do like habitual sustainable changes that are practical and realistic for your life, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's where I'm coming from when I'm talking about like non-diet is it's not that I'm anti weight loss. It's just, there's other ways to actually improve your lifestyle and weight is not always the ultimate factor of health too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is very much rooted in like sociocultural things too. So I always try to encourage people like, you know, these BMI standards, they're very so- socially cultural, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't know that. Um, so that's why I get super passionate about what I do. Yeah. Um, I always encourage like, hey, it's not about the six meals. It's not about, you know, comparison. It's not about BMI or weight. It's what's going to work the best for that person. It's so funny you said that. I Googled my, a BMI for my height the other day, and I was like, what? <laughs> yes, yes. A lot of yeah. people do not know how it started, where it came from. Size, all the every. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, if I was my actual, yeah, the weight, ideal weight, I would be like nothing. I would be like a waif in the exactly. wind. Exactly. Like, no way I could yeah. do that, so. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. I am working on losing weight, but I was just kind of Googling things, and I was just like, ooh, that weight. I just think about that weight in my mind and I'm like, I am not in elementary school or high school. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And I don't want to look like I'm in, I mean, I look like tiny, but I always encourage like, Hey, you know, when I was 19, like, I don't think that that's the the right weight for me anymore. Like for me, you know, I'm 30 years old and Mm -hmm. I, you know, even as a 22 year old, 21 year old, you know, I was very underweight. And so I always tell people like, Hey, like, I feel like I'm still trying to get to my womanly body. So like, like that's the weight I aspire to be at because, you know, you can't always be your teenage or high school weight. And a lot of people like to really encourage that or like, that's what they aspire to be. But I also encourage like, it's okay to age with grace too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I don't think I want to be that size. I look at those pictures and I'm like, "Ooh, you look sick." <laughs> <laughs> well, Starla, once again, we want to thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with us. This has been great, very informative. So yes. all of our listeners are 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 taking notes like taking we are. Like thank you. But if they want to, you know, and I don't know if you do virtual, but if they wanted to contact you or at least follow you, how would they do that? They can find me on my Instagram. It's Starla, S-T-A-R-L-A underscore shines. Um, and then my website is The Healthy Shine. And then my Facebook group is Nutrition for Runners with Starla. Yeah, Great. so everybody's welcome in there. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Very, very good information. And y'all definitely hit her up. Um, I know some of y'all could use some of her services and just good wealth of knowledge. And I'll say from me as a follower, she's always on Instagram live and doing different (laughs) Q&A type sessions. And I love it. So very good information. Thank you so much for being a a ray of sunshine um, (laughs) and a wealth of information. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was so fun. Thank you. You have a good one. Okay. You too. 
What a great interview. Oh, my goodness. So, if so y'all much taking info. Notes, exactly. If y'all weren't taking notes listening to that interview, that was amazing. Yeah, you need to rewind, start it over, and let's <laughs> do it again, because she gave a lot of great information. And that's not just information, because a lot of times I've talked to nutritionists that are just nutritionists. But she's a runner, an elite runner, Olympic trials runner. So exactly. I'm going to listen to what she says when it comes to nutrition. Sounds like she knows what she's talking about. And there is a difference. There is a difference. And I think the mindset of nutritionists that are actually runners and that work with runners is very different than a nutritionist that works with everyday people that may just be doing leisurely exercise. So thank you so much, Starla. That was amazing. And yes. we greatly appreciate your time. Exactly. Now, India, if they need to get in touch with you, how would they do that? So you can email me at my also find me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore indigo. That's E-N-D-I-G-O underscore run. So that's I of indigo runs on Instagram and on Facebook. It's Indian the cook. So definitely hit me up. And you can get me at Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two at gmail.com or tmitch 68 on Instagram um, or our, the run duo uh, Instagram page. You can DM us there. Uh, another great episode. We'll see y'all yes, again, yes. oh, in a couple of weeks. Yes, peace. Y'all have a good one. Continue to take care and be safe.